HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. You got your sea legs today? Because, yeah, I'm starting to. I think I do. I have uh, someone who certainly does and has traveled around the world seafaring, Jane Cogswell, C-O-X-W-E-L-L. Yeah. Yeah, welcome. it's an odd surname. <laughs> it's definitely an odd surname. That's why I always ask. You know, when a guest sits down, how do you pronounce your name? Because you just, you just never know. Yeah. It's a tricky one. Um, uh, actually, my boss's daughter, like a couple of years ago, said to me, you should really think about changing the name. <laughs> it's like, that's the rudest thing. Anyone's yeah. Ever said oh, like your boss's name's easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, your name means like you, you were born in, with a name that like suggests that you're always going to be powerful no matter like yeah. where you actually came from. Yeah. But yeah my name's... Or she a, was like, an inability to spell it all out. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But we'll get to who your boss is in a second. More about you. You know, that name too, that surname, doesn't have a, a distinct, you know, country or region to it. But you, you are so worldly. Uh, Rhodesian uh, English parents. Yeah. First of all, I don't even know what Rhodesian is other than maybe the dogs. So we have Rhodesian <laughs> yeah. English parents, actually. They're beautiful dogs. So it's just, uh, uh, I was born in Zimbabwe. <clears throat> But um, my but before it was Zimbabwe, it was Rhodesia. Um, so it's the same country it's set as Zimbabwe, but but that's that's where they they're from, and they're, everyone is really like diehard, and they all drink gin and tonics at like four p.m. and uh, yeah, so it, it, Rhodesia was a, like a different place, and then Zimbabwe is 
struggling. Yeah. I guess. yeah well, so. I just wrote down gin and tonics 4 p.m., which luckily is about when this show ends. So nice. Yeah. So we might. Ha- I might have to take you up on a, a that sounds suggestion. Sounds good. That sounds good. Zimbabwe, and then South Africa. How far away are they from each other? Not far. I think it was like uh, we drove. We kind of. My dad was worried about sort of the way things were going there, so we sort of fled. I mean, we weren't like tortured or anything, but uh, we we kind of ran away. We left everything there, and then we drove, and I think it took like a day to drive. Yeah. Um, so pretty close. Pretty yeah. close. I mean, it is obviously such a foreign country to the U.S., but yeah. I mean, really, it's such a foreign country conceptually as far as terrain, as far yeah. as culture. I mean, h- how was it growing up? Um well, I grew up in, in South Africa. I grew up in Cape Town. Um, and Cape Town is it's a, it's such a cool city. It's such a great city. But it's very much like San Francisco in the way that it looks and the weather and kind of the people as well. But, uh, um, yeah, I, gr- I grew up in Cape Town. I grew up by the sea. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about a couple of recipes later, like Cape Malay. But that's, that's a specific you know, ethnicity of person in Cape Town? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, Cape Town is so cool. South Africa is so cool for food because it's, uh, initially it was only set up as a little trading post on the spice route. So it just became, it, like, we have all the spices from China and from, like, um, and India and, and then the Dutch influence on the side as well and then English. And so it's really, like, the food is really mixed. But, yeah, like really really great location for being having been set up just for people coming in and out and in and out and yeah. yeah you know i don't know much of the food or food culture there but uh, one that i happen to know was boris the sausage yeah, 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 yeah. and, and boar itself is of dutch descent right exactly yeah yeah so i yeah. mean it's such a melting pot of people you yeah, know uh, it really is coming down africa coming around africa yeah and oh i just yeah the yeah so the malay i just realized what i just remember what you asked actually yeah the malay is the malaysian okay gotcha yeah. So um, that's yeah. So they are. They're like a, it's a it's a totally different group of people. But it, yeah, it's super diverse there. And, and so the Malay curry is like Malaysian cooking. Yeah. So we tell me that. about Boris sausage or biltong or how do you, how do you pronounce b o b o t i e? Uh, Baburti is the dish. Yeah. That, that custard thing. Um, and then biltong is the dried is the dried meat. Uh, it typically is up on these massive hooks and. Um, the main spices is, is coriander seed, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of crushed and then dried, uh, cured, dried. But it's beautiful. Like it's when it's done really, really well. I, th- I think you've probably had it when it's like seen it, especially if it's at the meat hook and it's done well. It should be sort of pink on the inside, and then it's dry and sort of crusted with coriander on the outside, and that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then vors is how you say the other one. Um, that's like a traditional sausage, and it's kind of wrapped up into this big sort of circle you it just they just make a like a rope i guess on deck like when you just go make a small circle you just go like around 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 and people take that huge circle like which could be as long as from like the tip of my finger to my elbow just like of going around and around and then they'll put the whole thing on top of a barbecue and then and then, and then a bunch of South African men stand around, like drinking <laughs> beer, staring at it. That's kind of thing. it. See, now in my head, I have the picture of you tying sausage rope on the boat. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> what I always think of when I see the boys doing. When yeah. I see the guys like on deck doing that, I'm always like, "That's yeah, it just looks like a giant sausage yeah. divorce." Yeah. <laughs> so you know, living in South Africa, there was a point in your life around 18 where you decided to leave. It's kind of you know. Yeah. yeah. Stir crazy. Get out of the house. Exactly. And you moved to London. Yes. And what happened there? 
Um, I, I just, I was so excited to, to, I, I mainly my goal, like in my little high school book, the, the thing underneath of the thing that I wanted to do was travel. So I went to London cause I was like, this is the place that I'm going to travel from. I'm going to do everything. It's going to be great. But I actually didn't do any traveling from there. Um, but I had a ball. It was a really good time. <laughs> I had no idea how to cook, uh, anything. So I bought things out of like bargain like the bargain freezers that you get I mean it was kind of disgusting but um I couldn't cook I had really odd jobs I I sold alarm systems door to door <laughs> for like a year two English winters as well which was not that great um but that was also kind of the beginning of where I realized like how uh, I think my first interest is people and then it's food and that together where you realize like you're knocking on people's doors for a year and I ended up having dinner with, say, like three different families a week in different areas, which over a year is like a lot of different families to be having dinner with and to have never met like an hour before. Um, uh, but yeah, like, f and, and that's the thing is like, it was always a little bit little weird. And then you'd be sitting around a table and then suddenly it's like, oh, like we're, we're friends now. This yeah. is legitimate because we've eaten together. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so then I, I kind of, I left and that's when I decided to... Yeah, to go to chef school and actually learn how to cook. Do you remember some of those meals, like nut loaf or salmon with watercress sauce? The, the ones yeah, in yeah. England? Yeah. Well, actually, in London, there's like hardly any English people. There's, I, I, actually, one of my favorite areas to go to was this place called Southall. And it's like, I've never been to India, but it's like you, oftentimes I would be at a table with people and there'd be like two of the grandchildren that could speak English, but the rest, like no one could speak English. Um and that was incredible I had like the best Indian meals like that like in people's houses and then these huge families like 15 people around a table in the middle of London um, yeah those are the ones that kind of stick out the other ones kind of like lukewarm tea biscuits not yeah. that great <laughs> but yeah the I definitely Southall was my favorite for the for the Indian food. yeah so you obviously had this wanderlust in you because London wasn't doing it um, exactly yeah and then with with the people and food you know kind of amalgamating those two things you traveled around France Mediterranean Adriatic but you ended up going back home uh, and finding a chef named David Higgs I did yeah tell me a little bit about him he he's such a he is amazing so I was really lucky I I'd, I I I sort of wasn't I wasn't I actually went home because my boyfriend at the time dumped me and I was 21 <laughs> and I was like oh my god I mean this is it like I don't even know like I, this is I should if I died it's fine <laughs> um and then uh I, yeah so I went back to South Africa and I slept in my dad's car for a while like while he was in it uh, having meetings and stuff and I really was like a little bit pathetic you know just like young broken heart and they, my parents were like, you really need to do something. <laughs> just something. You yeah, house. you need to do something. So um, my, yeah, so I'd, I've, I've, I had a friend who was going to, to chef school and I saw them in their uniform. <coughs> they were like, go, they were getting ready and they just got their uniform and I was like, that, like, that, like this is what I want. I want to have something like this, like something that like really you have to like work hard. Food is amazing. Um I mean, it was a, a kind of a really lucky thing, but he was like, well, there are 11 students and one of them, it was like the initi initiation day, like the very first day that he'd been. And he was like, well, one of the students didn't come today because she's not well. So she's pulled out of the whole year. 
And I was like, well, I'm going to go. And he's like, well, there's kind of a long waiting list. It's a good school. I was like, I will go and I will get. So I went in the next morning. I went in super early and I met with the chef, David Higgs. And I was like, I will work harder than anyone. I've always wanted to be a cook. This is what I'm born to do. I got to do this. Like, this is the best. And he t and I was also like, I'll pay you now. Other people, you have to go and you have to like contact people on the waiting list and it'll be a big thing. But I'll, I was like, I'll pay you now. Um so I, so I did, and I was so lucky. I didn't know how to cook, and I hadn't thought about it before. But, like, from the first day, I was like, this, it's better than anything I've ever done. Like, this is the coolest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well what, I mean, it's called Rust and Bread. Rust and Frieda. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, what stations were you working? Were you thrown in the dish pit? Were you working Garmin Jai? Dish pit, and uh, and he's he's his food is really beautiful. It's quite different from mine in that it's a lot more um, delicate and like it's a lot more refined and it's over more courses. Um, but salads were like the the any anything cold were really my favorite things to do. Um, but but we really were just like moved around the kitchen. It's not, yeah. Yeah. No specifics, really. And, yeah, and the training, it was like his restaurant and his catering company mainly, and and then just, yeah, just school, like a little curriculum. So then it's hard for you to stay in one place and yeah. wanted to venture out. Yeah. And there was this felicitous book, How to Work on Yachts and Super Yachts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you have that in your mind, or were you just in a library flipping through books and that just appeared in front of you? I, somebody had told me about it before. I'd heard a few other people having done something like that. Um and then, uh, and I thought it seemed like a great idea. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just, I bought it on the internet, which at the time was in South Africa. It was like quite a big thing to find a book on the internet oh, and buy it. sound too, that, that dialogue, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I bought, a, I bought a book on the internet. It was called How to Work on Yachts and CPRs. It was not a very good book. <laughs> Uh, but I but I went to the place that it told me to go in France at the month that it told me to go, and then I just arrived. And I stayed in a hostel with like um, fake grass, plastic grass, and like caravans in it, and drank a lot of wine out of like those massive bottles, you know, with the little screw top on and the little handle. <laughs> like you know, it's bad when oh, it's yeah. got a little handle yeah. on it. Uh, and then I yeah, I was lucky. I got a job on a a big boat as the second chef so I just cleaned fish and cooked for the crew and like was woken at like every hour I was the person who had like make sandwiches at 3am for drunk guests and stuff like yeah. that uh, and I just fell in love with it it was like I was like this is the coolest job ever I get to cook I get to travel I get to yeah, it was good. Well, I mean, what are the struggles? Because right now it seems kind of idyllic. I mean, are, are they hard kitchens to work in? Are they small kitchens to work in? Do you get nauseous rocking on the waves? I actually do get seasick. A lot of people, like, really get over it. I, I, I still get seasick. And I don't ever throw up, ever. It's like, it's like after an hour of feeling sick, it's like, it's like the drunkest version of me ever like I slur my words I'm a little bit aggressive which is also kind of strange because I'm not particularly an aggressive person I can't see properly I'm like it's like talking to like somebody's drunk uncle I don't <laughs> like yeah seasickness is a problem but for most people it's not and um they're just long the the things that make it difficult it's just the hours are just really really long you like you you make sure that you're up um you know, for the first guest and there for the last guest and their expectations are very high. 
Um, you want to put out, make sure that everybody's fed and you want to make sure that for the countries that you're in, you're paying respect to those countries. So you don't really master particular dishes. You just try and kind of learn it all. Yeah. Which is difficult. So there's like a lot of self-teaching. And when I started, there was no internet. So that was tricky. Like, cause you can't really, if somebody asks for something, especially when I started working on American boats, like the breakfast orders, I was like, I don't even know what sunny is. I don't like <laughs> sunny side up. What are you talking about? And I'm like, makes sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think, I think just, just really thinking on your feet and it, the hours are just long and you just work hard. So, I mean, what made you want to keep on doing this? You've obviously traveled, been on, on wonderful boats. You work for the halls, uh, yeah. ambassador. Catherine Hall, and yeah. then eventually worked at Hall Wines in, yes. in, what is that, in Napa? In Napa, yeah. So being back on land... Well, that was amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I continued because I really loved the traveling, and, and to be able to, um, like, to go to each place and spend a little bit of time, enough time in each country that you go in, and, like, go to the grocery stores and go to food markets and... Um, I usually find someone who will show me around and show me their favorite food places. That's that's those are all like the pros, um, but I but I but I missed being I I yeah, I guess I just wanted like a home, um, but I worked in California for a, a couple of years at this winery and that was incredible. I'd been working on their boat and I told them I wanted to move ashore, so I did that for a little bit, um, and then I yeah and then I kind of needed to travel again, so yeah. I, so I got back on, yeah. So I got back on the water, and I and I got the job on EOS, which is the one that I'm on now. So talk to me about the size of this boat because it is the world's largest yacht, correct? It's the world's largest privately owned sailing yacht. Yeah. So there are other boats that are like those massive white things that you see. People sometimes say that they look like fridges because they're like these giant white sort of things. Um, EOS is beautiful. It's it's a giant sailing yacht. It's um, it's 100 meters long, so it's like 300 foot. Um, it's a three-masted schooner. The sail at one point, the front sail was like the biggest sail in the world. Um, it's a it's a beautiful boat. Like it's really it's it's a beautiful boat. Yeah. Does it feel like your home now? You've been on it since 2009. Yeah, I have. It it does feel like home actually. Like I've now I'm based in New York and I only go out. To, to the boat when when it's there's like a guest trip mm-hmm. um but whenever i'm driving up on the speedboat i always do think like this is like it's a great home it's yeah. a pretty it's a pretty great home and the people are the the crew that i've traveled the world with and worked with for a long time are amazing they're like the happiest bunch of people really wholesome and happy and just friendly and like i maybe it's the seawater yeah, yeah. And what do you think about your bosses i like them <laughs> a lot actually luckily yeah because I, I do have like some pretty, I haven't, I have, uh, I have like agencies who match me up to boats that I want to be on and then they match the owners with chefs that they want. And I make sure that I've been doing, because uh, I've been doing it for long enough that I'm, uh, that I'm able to have like a lot more restrictions on the kind of boat that I work on. And the, one of the things is just liking the people, like it's yeah. huge. Because no one wants to cook for people that they don't like. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about the people because it's no ordinary people. It's Barry Diller. Barry Diller. And Diane von Furstenberg. Yeah. I mean, when you first met them, what was the interview process like? Did they tell you what foods they wanted cooked? Or did they look what style you had or ask what movies or TV you watched? So, I, uh, uh, I actually was hired by the captain and the, like, purser, who's the person who takes care of all the crew and stuff on the boat. Um, and they just looked at my food. They looked at my references. I think 
yeah, references are big because you just because I think that they they're like they look at the people that you've cooked for and then they're like, oh, I guess it's okay. Like it, it's not it may not be great, but it's not going to be terrible. Um, Such an optimist. Yeah. Well. Um, uh, yeah, and then and then you basically just have like a three month trial and I. I spoke to their previous chef, so she gave me like all the stuff that they liked, the stuff that they didn't like, and then I joined the boat like four days before they came on. They had another chef who quit like the day before. I wasn't their first choice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and so I was lucky that they took me, and so then I just the first <laughs> trip was a little rough. I wasn't maybe I wasn't maybe what he wanted. Um, she liked me, so then they kept me on for the next trip. He was like a little warmer, but like, oh, you know, maybe not that great. And then I think it just got better and better to now it's like a good, a good little, it's a good, yeah, it's a good thing. Well, I mean, traveling Southeast Asia, New Zealand, Australia, Papua New Guinea, French Polynesia, Caribbean, Central America. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of food around the world. So but much food. We're going to take a quick break and come back cool. and talk about all those ports and all those spices and influences. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Every Wednesday at noon, Dorothy Ken Hamilton, founder and CEO of the International Culinary Center, interviews the top chefs in the world on Chef Story. Hear from chefs like Christina Tosi. I remember my first day as a real cook, like, I'm going to be the best pastry cook this restaurant's ever seen. Bobby Flay. I don't do anything on TV that I don't enjoy doing in terms of food. So whatever I'm up to in my restaurant life, is what gets transferred onto TV. Jacques Papin. I was invited to work at the White House for John Kennedy. Learn how the greats become great every Wednesday at 12 p.m. on Chef Story on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. And welcome back to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network. 
Org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Jerkel, with Jane Coxwell. And, I mean, we were talking about traversing the globe. I only wish, I think it's Biggie that has the Been Around the World I yeah, 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 song. Yeah. I didn't want to get that wrong because he's a Brooklyn native and you know, uh, a lot of people <laughs> at, the, yeah, at the station are rap aficionados. So I think I got it right. Nice. But, I mean, you have. You, you, you have traveled to so many places. And, you know, the, the thing is, when you come into a new city a new country a new continent you dock you come into port yeah and and the port itself is kind of like walking into a market because there's a lot of import export you know things going on how do you acclimate yourself to a new city that you've never been in i i just try to i why just get off like i just get off the boat and then most things are close by like especially you know like because because that's where everything started, usually it's on the water, and then there's markets close to the water, and then there's fish, and there's whatever. Um, yeah, I, I just get off. I have, um, I have, I, I try not to, I mean, I try not to wear my uniform too much, because it looks like a uniform, yeah. especially when you're somewhere like Papua New Guinea, and then you walk in like these all, all whites with like a little radio to walkie-talkie <laughs> thing. Like, no one trusts you. Yeah. Uh, so I try and like put on normal clothes, and <clears> then go ashore, and then just kind of walk around. We also have, the boat has um, agents in every country, so it's like, uh, somebody, one person or a company that has like connections in every sort of area. So like for whatever, for whatever anyone wants to do on the boat. So say we find out where the best windsurfing is, where the best hiking is, where the best, just anything within an area. So then there's usually a food person that I'm connected with, um, whether that's to bring food in or to take me to markets. So I usually just go with that one person. I get some local money, put it in my pocket and then just kind of go. Yeah. It's really a cool thing to do. Like, that's been one of my favorite things. I mean, that's what's so amazing about the book itself. I mean, there there are a couple travel pictures there. Yeah. I'm very jealous of. One of my favorite, actually, I think it's it's a seal or something. Where you would slid down a mountain accidentally. I did to get there. Trying to take that photo, and they had to kind of like human rope you back up. So (laughs) embarrassing. So embarrassing. But your your sense of adventure, again, is, you know, uh, something to behold. I mean, it shows in your food, too. You know, uh, initially in your book, Fresh, happy, tasty. Which I can see now, you are a very happy person. I'm a happy person. I'm well. I'm a, I'm a lucky person. Yeah, so I have to yeah. be a happy person. But the book is, is is you know first and foremost about cooking for fun. Yeah. You know, but cooking for feel too. And you tell people to use your hands. Yeah. And I love any cookbook that just outright says you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah, you do. You do. Do you? Did do, do, do you? You must still. You, so you. You cook a lot. You must cook a lot. Do you use yeah. your, you use your hands quite a lot? It's the best seasoning. It's the yeah. best. It really is. Yeah. And like, like I say in the book, like the, I don't know how anyone. When you see people tossing a salad with like things, and you're like, what are you feeling? How do you know? Yeah. How do you know that? They're also very hard. And like, if anything, like even just, um, even if you're going to put a, like a fig in a salad or something, tearing things and like a potato salad. If you take little potatoes and you squash them and so everything is kind of crushed and like using your hands is it's yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I also feel like being on a boat you can't have everything with you at the time. I mean no. you have to you have to compact your life in that sense. Yeah. And I mean you point out that a microplane is very important to your cooking. Yeah. You know, like a, a lemon squeezer. Yeah. Which I you use call a, lot a of lemon lemons. squeeze, right? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. That's funny. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, they forgot an R. No, I think maybe she just calls it lemon her. squeeze. Yeah. You know, uh, a twine for doing little papio cooking packets. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, it's so trimmed down, but the, the, the foods that you make and the flavors that you must get just seem endless, boundless, which is uh, really amazing that you need so little to make so much. 
Thanks for noticing. Yeah, because that's, that's true. Right. I don't like. I I really don't use a lot I, at all. Like I just I, I I mean I think that you know kitchen gadgets night it's nice, but it's really not my thing. Like lo- lo- loads of stuff, and I don't really have much equipment either. Um, I have the opportunity to. I have a really beautiful galley. It's it's big. It's quite industrial. It's a great place. But then I find like when I'm setting myself up. I, yeah, I really don't use very much stuff and I don't think it's important. And you also realize like when on the smaller boats, especially now on, on this EOS, I got these beautiful, big, like four big walk-in fridges and freezers and like the facilities are really amazing. But when I worked on smaller boats, you have one fridge and like 10 guests sometimes for like a week. Yeah. And in Croatia, you find there's like a, you have like a tomato and a, a zucchini and, a, and an eggplant and you're like, right. Yep. Because like a week later, you still have that and you've got the same guests and they're paying a lot of money and you're like, like well, I'm conscious like the caprese salad like I did on the first day. So I can't. And it, But it's a good thing because you really learn how to um, use what you have and really, um, you know, with like still paying respect to the ingredients, but like just the different things that you can do to them and like what a bit of like char does in something or what a bit of smoke does in something or what a like just just steaming something or like it's amazing how you can change the flavor of one thing and really use things like you really respect and use the things that you have, which yeah. I think is quite cool. You know, and looking at the recipes, initially everything seems very straightforward, but there are those little iterations, those little tweaks that make it you personally you yeah. and you know. I even love the breakfast chapter because it starts with Bircher's muesli, which is a very specific thing, but it it finds itself in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, Even in the verines. I've I've never known that word before, but they're kind of like parfaits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even you can put that in the parfait. So being able to use and reuse and reconceptualize. Yeah. Like for, exactly for people to feel like every day there's something new and, and like fresh and, um, exciting but obviously not like not outlandish and not like weird if people are on vacation for two weeks they don't want weird food they want like good tasty food but it also needs to be different so then yeah. you're just exactly that you're just kind of like DVF's favorite lentil soup I mean it's a straightforward uh, lentil soup straight until you see some button mushrooms for texture yeah that well that's yeah you can you, I, I I can't actually remember what I did with them but yeah the, but the it's amazing like little things like that that you throw into something and you're like this is yeah, like for a little bit of depth, if you, especially if you like roast them and then, yeah, mash them meaty. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I love the Middle Eastern watermelon salad because it has a, a different flavor. But I think the, the recipes I'm most drawn to in this book are ones that are associated with people or experiences. Oh, yeah. You know, you have, um, what is it, Naima's chicken tagine. Oh, Naima, yeah. She's awesome. So she actually is DVF's cook uh, in New York. And she's a Moroccan woman. She's like... Her cooking is so good. I I find out when I like try and find out when she is cooking, and then I'll go and eat her her chicken. It's so good, and the couscous is like she calls it massaging. Um, yeah, every I mean, yeah, her food is insane. Yeah. So I mean, you have the tagine, but then you know there there are other dishes that that are more you you centric, and yeah. we talked about Cape Malay before. Yeah, and there's a pickled fish. Dish. Oh, the pickled fish you is tell good. Tell me a little about it. I know, like, pickle lily, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I don't know exactly where in the world that's from, but it reminded me of those yeah. flavors. It is the that. same, yeah, because yeah, it's like there's a lot of turmeric. Um, there's a, I guess, because the Cape has such, it, where I'm from, Cape Town has beautiful seafood. Um, but, like, anywhere a long time ago, you would just find ways to preserve it so that you. 
um, could put it on a ship and then make it travel for days. And that's like a that pickled fish is a cool dish because it's a mix between uh, Dutch food and Malaysian food. So then you've got like the the you, there's it's pickled and it's it's very tart and sort of vinegary, but it's full of turmeric. Um, and raisins, and it sounds awful, but it's really <laughs> delicious. And it does it, not you, sound awful. You yeah. have to put, you, you know, you like make sure that you leave it in the fridge for three days before you touch it, um, you know, before you eat it. And it's so intense and it's so good, like with crusty, fresh white bread. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear you explain more things just because the, your, your, your diction, you know, the, the way you talk about food is so emphatic that you can make something as simple as the stuffed garlic bread. Um, which is literally a country loaf, but yeah. torn open, stuffed with stuff, baked. Yeah, I mean that's just a beautiful thing. What's well, just so easy? I think that I think I there's so I want to I just wanted to make a book of stuff that um, people could use at home or wanted to use at home, and so people don't always have the time to make bread. I don't always have the time to make bread, but if you take a simple loaf, yeah, just like that, and you can do anything. And you just take a mortar and pestle and just pound loads of stuff and and then shove it into a bread bread like wrap it in foil and put it in the oven for half an hour incredible yeah cheese herbs you say herbs no i don't know what i say oh, that's I, cool. I'm terrible language <laughs> i'm terrible at english i, 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 I doubt that that's, <laughs> that's, that's why i have the international guests on so they don't know any better <laughs> <laughs> but you know you also see uh, um aspects of South America, the Ecuadorian-inspired yeah. uh, uh, ceviche. Oh, uh, yeah. They put ketchup in it. Really? Yeah. And it sounds terrible. It sounds so gross. But it's it's a tiny amount. I, I, I went to this place called Quito. We were in the Galapagos Islands, and I had to go to Quito, the mainland, to find food. And I went by myself, and it wasn't very safe. I knew that it wasn't safe, but I didn't realize how unsafe it was until... It was like dusk, and I was walking around, and these policemen kept on saying to me, like, what are you doing? I can't picture any place that has ketchup being unsafe. Yeah, I know, I know. You would think that, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, this, and I had ceviche there, and I and there was, like, something to it that made it kind of, it was sharp, and, and you know, and it was beautiful and, and sharp, but then there was something that was, like, creamier and sweet, but it wasn't sugar, and they put, like, the smallest amount, it's only a tiny amount, but they put the smallest amount of ketchup in, which sounds awful. Yeah. Um... But that's what it was, and I would try it myself. I was like, this is really good. Yeah. It's really good. But, I mean, I also love how you take spins on things. Uh, El Salvadorian pupusas turn uh, into yeah. stuffed pita breads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working with a, a, a lady from El Salvador, and, and, and she was telling me about them. I was, oh, she was making them, actually, for lunch for the other people that were working at the house, and, they were, and they're so good. Such a clever idea. Like, why wouldn't you take a piece of dough and shove it with stuff Yeah, and then cook it? See, yeah, I mean, good. you obviously don't specifically work with a, a style or a region or no. a, a cuisine. No. You pick up these little things like hadari, uh, yogurt sauce, and yeah. turkey, or, yeah. you know, um, Vietnamese beef salad with rice noodles and avocados. Yeah. But then where do you get inspiration for things like the pale ale and shiitake pasta? Oh, well, that's just me, like, cooking at home. You know, that's like uh, making a quick pasta dish and drinking a Sierra Nevada at the same time, and then, and then I could have reached in the and in, in the fridge and like put some wine in to because I was really putting a lot of color on the, on the mushrooms, especially shiitake mushrooms. Like when you put color on them, are so good because I'm like meat, not really like a vegetarian dish kind of person. Um, 
but putting color on mushrooms helps things. But anyway, I could have reached for wine and then I just poured my beer in. And then that earthiness, so good. So good. I've actually, I actually make that a lot. That's a good, that's good. <laughs> that might be part of my repertoire. So yeah, you should do that because yeah. you, you drink and you cook and then you drink and then you cook. That's good. Yeah, you should put that as the instructions. Yeah, now take yeah. a drink. Okay, now keep cooking. cooking. Now take a drink. You make sure that you're <laughs> taking a drink. Yes, it's an actual step. So, I mean, aside from just your own inspiration traveling around the world, what are new ingredients, techniques, lands that you've been to that you really want to kind of tell people about, cook with? Hmm. I have to think about it. <laughs> There's so much. I don't know. I mean,. I recently went to Mexico and I'd never been to Mexico before and I think I had this um I think I had an idea of what the food was going to be and then eating at like little roadside places you realize that's that's like they they're such good cooks that they use minimal ingredients and then make like the greatest stuff. I like that. Like I like the all the spice rubs that they use. Um I think spice rubs like dry spice rubs are really underrated and incredible. Yeah. I think people always think like marinades they need to be like wet and like sticky and but tr- like a dry rub, it's really good. Dry rub on ribs, good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also thinking of volume too, being on a ship and mm-hmm. you know with a lack of space. Yeah. You know, you you don't have more volume for marinades. You you have more volume if you carry spice rub with you. Exactly, yeah. So I mean, do you think logistically on on the ship when you buy things, when you bring them on to you know, board to process and cook. Yeah. You know, I can't get this giant thing because it's just not yielding enough. I certainly used to. <laughs> now I don't have to worry about it as much. But when I started, I really, really did. It's actually, that's actually really nice. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a really good question. Because, yeah, you do. You like, also a watermelon, like it's really heavy. It takes up a lot of space and it's one thing. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take away the watermelon and I'm going to have like, three, I'm going to have four pounds of like mixed vegetables. It's funny, like, yeah, you do. Like, you definitely like take things away, bring things in, and that's not going to work out. Yeah, I mean, you're on dry land. You live in New York. Yeah. What is your kitchen replete of? What do you have in your fridge? At the moment, I have not very much. I have a lot of. I do have a lot of beer, and I got a lot of fresh herbs, and I got lemons, and a lot of eggs. Um, oh God, I wish it was better than that. I <laughs> no, it. I kind of like this this distinction, you know, because Diane von Furstenberg, yeah, you know, you cook on her ship. Yeah, and, I mean, you are very well dressed. Oh well, thank you. Yes. Are you telling people I'm in a dress? I'm in a dress. Oh yeah, you could actually well say dressed. that. We're on radio. Yeah, you can make yeah. up whatever you want. I mean, I'm not really. Well yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there's there's an idea of high low with that too. I mean, you're you're serving this clientele like extraordinary food, mm-hmm. um, like. What do you serve yourself? Uh, you know, how do you maintain yourself? Do you feel like your worlds are together when you're on the ship, or very apart? Uh, they're apart. I mean, I maintain myself with pizza. <laughs> uh, I do, especially here. Like, oh god, I mean, the food in New York is so good. I do, I don't cook for myself very much in New York, unfortunately. I just I get so excited about coming here and having there so much choice and so many great places. So I, I try and keep healthy things in my kitchen because I usually eat out. And um, But, yeah, it's kind of different. Like, my taste isn't really – I remember DVF uh, asking me once what my favorite food was, and I said pizza. And she kind of looked at me, 
and then she looked away and she carried on driving. <laughs> we were driving to her farm and then she never said anything. She never said yeah. anything after that. She's never mentioned it again, but I think she was pretty displeased. Yeah. She was like, that's not So you've never served pizza on the boat? I did actually, when when I was in Australia, um, I went to this guy, this pizza restaurant, this guy had, the chef had built his own oven and it was really, 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 really good. Um, and then we had a bit of time there. We had like three months. So he came on the boat. I told him, I asked him to like measure the oven. So I have these, I have a big, big, big like industrial oven and I have, um, we made these three stones they're like really heavy. They're like 20 kilos each. I don't know what that is, but I, it takes like two guys to lift them up the stairs. My storage is like three stories down. So I lift them upstairs and I fill the oven and then I put it to 400 and I leave it like that. So I make my own. I do try and make my own pizza. Yeah. But I have to like choose the guests. Yeah. You know, because if it's just the two of them, it's, it's not going to go down that well. But I'd like, I make, I'd use them as much as I can. Awesome. So, they're really cool. Yeah. So what's your next voyage? Where are you traveling to next? Nowhere too exotic. Uh, the Caribbean. Um, it's not like it's kind of in sort of the boating world. It's kind of seen as like the milk run because it's there's so many other boats that are that are sort of all doing the same thing. Um, and then yeah, so we'll just, I'll just kind of finish up the Caribbean season and then go over to the Med, which is always incredible because it means France and Italy and those markets and getting off in the morning for shopping and pastries and that's pretty special. Um, but at the moment we're in the Caribbean, which yeah. is also good, but it's yeah. different. Yeah. Envious, very envious of your voyage. Even though I too don't have sea legs and probably be. I'm nauseous. pretty jealous yeah. of you. This is pretty yeah. sweet. Like, well, maybe we'll swap for a week. Okay. Yeah, you could be a radio host, and I'll, I'll see what I could do on the EOS. I mainly just want to sit here. I don't know if. Yeah, I don't know how good I'd be, but I yeah, sitting here. This would be. This is a pretty every Tuesday pretty great at place. three. You know where to find me. Yeah, stop it's by. Pretty great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, there's so much more I want to talk to you, and maybe we'll talk on boat or off boat some other time. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say again, fresh, happy, tasty, wonderful cookbook. Everyone, Thank run you. out and get it. Check out Jane's food and travels, and hear her stories. And maybe if you see that EOS floating by, give a wave. Nice. You've been listening to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at three. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.